Good morning. Okay, happy Tuesday. We should uh, look at the end of last week's parasha. To summarize last week's parasha, there seem to be two major themes. Uh, the the word ekev appears for the beracha of having a successful offspring, and it also appears for the beracha of inhabiting the land. Okay, these were the two elements. This is a, a, a shiur I actually heard, an interesting shiur. The two elements of the bracha that was given to Avraham Avinu were that uh, that I'll make you plentiful, I'll make your, your descendants very many, and that I'll give you a foothold in the land. So if you want to summarize the whole parashat Ekev, it's basically a summary of those two berachot, that you will get a foothold in the land and you will have plentifulness uh, in, terms of your, in terms of your population if you keep the mitzvot. Now, uh, the end of our parasha last week had the Behayaim Shamoah, mm-hmm. which, which gave a little bit of the, uh, the, the ideas that you have to stick to the Torah and you have to cling to the Torah and pass it on to your children and that way you'll be able to have a foothold in the land. And then let's just read the maftir inside so we could lead it into our parasha. If you keep the mitzvot, uh, all of this mitzvot, I'm commanding you today to do it, to love Hashem and to go in His paths and to cling to Him, as an aside, cling to Hashem. The rabbis ask, how is one supposed to cling to Hashem? He said, but God isn't physical. So how does one cling to Hashem? And the rabbis answer, you do so, by doing what is no, by clinging to Tamidei Chachamim and learning their ways. Oh yes, correct. correct. Because the Tamidei Chachamim, yes, 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 yes. they walk in the path of Hashem. Mm-hmm. And when, you, when a person clings to the Tamidei Chachamim, and as the Mishnah Perkavot says, Mit abek be'afar aglehem. You got that, that No, no, you're, you're, sorry, you're not, you're not Yotze. You're not, you're not Yotze with me. I'm, I'm still... Uh, I'm too young. You have to cling to a real Tamid Chacham. No, no, no. Maybe, maybe I'm a Talmid of a Chacham, but I'm not a Talmid Chacham. Okay. 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 And God will, will uh, oust all of these nations from before you. And you will conquer nations that are much greater than you. Any place that the, the sole of your feet will trample will be yours. Your boundaries could be as far as the, 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 the desert and the Lebanon, meaning the south and the north. And Say Nahar Perat is what is what river? Is the Euphrates. Is and what is the Yamha Acharon? I think it's the Nile. The Nile which means the potential the boundaries, the potential boundaries wow, of Am Israel. Yeah, so that's that's the there's a study that goes into what are the true boundaries of Eretz Israel. And in some of the Birachot we see that the boundaries of Israel are a lot larger than what we ended up conquering, which means probably means that there is that the, the boundaries can expand or contract based on how good we are as Jews and how much we keep, right? If we're fully committed, then the potential is for the nation to be as large as from the Euphrates to the Nile, which is huge, which is Iraq to Egypt. It's like it's it's like a you know, it's uh bigger than Iran, right? 
bigger than Iran is today. And if not, then we have we, we don't have as much, right? So yeah, we yeah. we, we tiny, yeah we have a little tiny sliver exactly. No man will stand before you, your fear and your, uh, and, uh, and, um, another word for fear. Give me a synonym for fear. And your terror. Terror, God will give to the people uh, that are in the land that you are about to go in, as he said to you. And by the way, if you learn Sefer Yoshua, if you learn the book of Yoshua, the, this Beracha actually comes true. Whenever at the very beginning of the book of Yoshua, they send two spies to go to, like, yes. and, and they visit the house of a harlot. So why did they visit the house of a harlot? The idea was she was a woman who would have access to a lot of the noblemen in society and a lot of the higher up people. So they go into the city of Jericho and they visit her house and they ask her about what the morale of the people of the land is. And she says, we are terrified. We, are, we, we saw what God did for you in Egypt. And everybody is terrified of you. And that was the cue that the two spies who went into Jericho, that was the cue they got that the morale of the people is so weak so that we will be able, exactly, we can go in. This was the message. Uh, yeah, so this berachat did exactly come true when uh, the Jews did enter Israel. Now we begin our parasha. Behold, I am giving before you today a blessing and a curse. Now, our parasha, we, we, had, we have been explaining the Sefer Devarim in terms of three speeches, right? This first speech we said was more of like, a, of like um, an uplifting a speech about motivation, about, about keeping the mitzvot, but motivation to keep the mitzvot. We said the second speech was, was no, we, we said it, it has that element at the beginning of it, but the second speech goes into a summary of the mitzvot that Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to teach Am Yisrael as they're entering the land. So what's good about our parasha is that it starts the meat and potatoes of the second speech, which is a summary of the mitzvot. So we're going to start seeing a lot of the mitzvot in this week's parasha come up. We have a uh, mitzvot of, um, of aliyah l'regel, we have the mitzvot of the holidays, we have mitzvot of not mistreating the poor, of, of giving masro to the levim. All these things are in our parasha. So we start to see a, a good summary of a lot of practical mitzvot. It's not going to be just beautiful oratory and, and speech from now on. Okay, but at the beginning we do have an interesting segment. Behold, I'm giving before you today a blessing and a curse. The bracha will come to you if you keep the mitzvot that I'm commanding you today. So it's a, it's a good flow over from the previous uh, part, from the previous parashah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, you could ask why it's so repetitive and whatnot. But you could also see that when a person speaks and he's giving a rousing, exciting speech, there is some repetition involved. There's some sure. natural repetition involved. Sure, because you want to make it, sure that that message goes through. Exactly, because you want to make sure that the message goes through. So, you know, I, I, I do agree with asking those questions, but there's the easy answer to all of them is that this is a speech that's being said in an, in an organic and natural way, and therefore the speech will have some element of repetition. The curse will come upon you if The curse will come upon you if you do not listen to the mitzvot of God and you deviate from the path that I command you today to go to go after other gods that you do not know. 
And it will be when God brings you into the land that you are going to, to, to conquer. And you will give the Biracha on Mount Girizim and the curse on Har Eval. So this actually does happen if you look in Sefer Yoshua. They do perform this ritual in which they go and they stand and, and I, I forget the exact dynamics of the ritual, but they had half the tribe standing on one mountain and the other half of the tribe standing on another mountain and they would announce and the Kwanim I think would stand and face the people face one tribe and they would say, Cursed is the person who does not do this and then the tribes would answer, Amen. And they would say, Blessed is the person who does do this and the tribes would answer, Amen. So that way they as they entered the land it was a form of a new covenant that they did. So this is actually a, a practical uh, commandment that, that, that we do know happens historically. If you look in Sefer Yoshua, that uh, and by the way, this is a, it was a very, very big covenant. This was almost like the equivalent of the re-accepting of the Torah, sure. just in Eretz Yisrael. Yeah, you're accepting the mitzvot and... Yeah, if, now if you want to hear something very crazy... Um, there are some. There were a tribe of Jews, like a sect of Jews that are not very Jewish. I mean, they're not considered Jewish, but they 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 were called. Um, they were called. What's their name? Uh, I forgot what they're called. There's a sect of Jews that live in Israel today, and because of this covenant that was made on Har Gerizim and Har Eval, it was such an intense thing. They value Har Gerizim as the site, as a central site of Judaism, as opposed to Yerushalayim. As opposed to Arsinai. Yes, as opposed to Yerushalayim even. Oh, wow. So they, so oh, the they believe, base? yeah, so they believe that, how, and they live there today, and they have very, they have very unique, uh, very unique customs and things. They, they claim that they're Jewish, but they're some kind of like, they're kind of like Karaim, they're kind of like Karaites, where they, their traditions, they're all based on the, on the written Torah, but their traditions are completely different. So you can go, if you go to the area of Shechem, which is near Har Gerizim, you can go and see their homes. For example, their mezuzot. I've been there. I've seen it. Their, their mezuzot, they don't put mezuzot on the doorpost like that. They put it on top of the doorpost. And it, it's, like a, it's like a stone. And they have the shema written out on the stone. And the mezuzah sits that's on top. Mezuzah. Yeah, that's their mezuzah. You know, I mean, obviously, they don't kiss it. It's on top of the door. Uh, very, very interesting people. They also they do korban pesach still. They actually bring a physical korban pesach. On Pesach, and they, they, you could look them up on YouTube. They have and videos. Is the of, one that during the Nida, they, they probably they probably have specific laws for Nida yes. also. I don't know what they would be. Outside, they definitely they have way. like a, a forty and an they eighty day wait. By the doorstep. Listen, our great grandparents used to do these things also. The only thing that is going. For the they're Nida. going by the. They're going yeah. by the by the book. They're going. They're going by the the simple meaning of the book exactly. So so this uh. This thing that we're going to have, this this uh, this covenant that we're going to do at Har Gerizim and Har Eval, where we reinstitute the keeping of the Torah for all the people, it actually does. It is a big deal. You know, it it represents a, it represents what it does represent is Am Yisrael as they enter the land. It's a reaccepting of the yeah, Torah. The promising, they're making exactly. The, the, it's the, like yes. it's like the equivalent of what we did at Har Sinai, but this time in Israel. So that's that, that's the idea here of what this ritual is going to be. Now it's giving you the exact location of this Har Gerizim and Har Eval. These places are on the west side of the Jordan, meaning across the Jordan, after to the place where the sun comes down, meaning in the west. 
in the land of the Canaanites that dwell in the wilderness uh, opposite Gilgal near Elone More. I mean, I'm not going to go into where these places are, but, but that, this is just the exact location for these two mountains of Hargadizim and Haragal. When you cross the Jordan to go and to conquer the land that Hashem is giving you, and you conquer it and you dwell there, dwell there, you should keep all of the chukvin mishpatim that I'm commanding you today. Okay, so, so far what we've said in our parasha is I'm giving you a blessing and a curse. When you cross into the, across the Jordan River, make a new covenant where you will establish a blessing and a curse on these two mountains, Har Gerizim and Har Eval. Keep the mitzvot and uh, make sure not to go away from God's path. Now, we finally are getting to the content of the actual mitzvot that we're supposed to keep. We've had an exciting speech for a very long time. Pasuk Aleph of Peret Yudbet, we are finally getting to the actual mitzvot. So now we could start and start uh, hearing some ideas. These are the laws and the statutes that you should keep in the land that God, the God of your forefathers has given you to conquer all the days that you're living in the land. You should surely destroy all of the places that the Goyim have worshipped there. That you're conquering on the high mountains and on the hills and under every uh, uh, leafy tree. It's Ra'anan is a leafy tree. It's like a tree that has uh, it's it's alive and well. Yeah. You should destroy their altars. And you should destroy their stones. And their asherot, which is a type of tree that used to be worshipped, should burn. And the idols of their gods should chop down. And you should er- eradicate their name from that place. And do not do... Actually, let me save that pasuk for a second. So, so far, what is the first mitzvah we need to do when destroy we enter the land? Destroy everything which is Abu We have to destroy everything which is Abu So let's understand the logical procession here. Why do we start with destroying well, everything is Abu To sanctify the land. Right. So, so we need to create... The first thing we need to do is create an environment, you know, create an environment in which we can actually thrive and keep the mitzvot. Now, the only way, if we were to not clear out the land of Abu Dazara before we start keeping the mitzvot, we will keep the mitzvot, but then we'll go into Abu Dazara. Yes, so you want to clear out everything. You clear out the whole land. Reboot. Make, yeah, you reboot everything, make it start fresh, and now you can start keeping the mitzvot in a proper way. Otherwise, it's going to get corrupted. You're going to get lured into those. Exactly, sure. exactly. Now, let's, this next pasuk begins the next segment, okay? You should not do this to Hashem your God. I'm going to leave that pasuk as vague for a second, and let's read the, the remaining psukim, and then I'll explain this pasuk in light of the new in light of the new psukim. So rather to the place that God your your Hashem your God will choose from all of your tribes. To put his name there, you should seek out the Shekhinah 
and you should go to that place. You should bring to there all of your, your korbanot, your olot, and your zvachim, and all of your ma'aser, and all the turumot, and whatever you vow to bring, and whatever you, you bring as a, as a free will offering. And the firstborns of your flock and your sheep. And you should eat there before Hashem your God. And you'll be happy with everything that your hand touches. You and your homes. Uh, that God has blessed you. Do not do exactly as we are doing today. Each person does what is fit in his own eyes. Okay, so now we went from destroying all of the Avodah Zarah. Then we had a Pasuk, do not do this to Hashem. And then we start talking about making sure to have a central place of worship. You have to go to the place where Hashem will choose to put His Shekhinah there. And that's where you will bring all of the korbanot. That's where you will bring all of, you know, do all the mitzvot that relate to uh, the masrot and the turumot and the korbanot. You should do everything there. And you should eat there. And you should be happy there. So what's going on? First of all, we have a lot of questions. What is the, when the pasuk says, do not do this to Hashem your God, what is it referring to? And what is the relationship between eradicating the Abu Dazarah and then having a central place, place of worship. Why do they follow in quick succession? But this was the way that uh, to, to, to not do Abu Dazara, to go to Why? Israel. Because we, we said that it's better to go one place only where there is Hashem. So, so what you're saying is, is, is the emet here. The answer is that if every person has a, a, his own altar in his backyard, he's going to choose whatever, he's he, going wants. To choose whatever he wants to do. Yes. Perfect. So that's the answer. The answer is, you create a, a central place of worship that is under the control of the Kohanim and the Chachamim, where the Sanhedrin sits, so that people can come and learn the true way of serving Hashem, instead of each person doing his own thing in his own backyard, where you'll quickly see that everything turns into Abu Dazara. No matter what. Yes, exactly. Sure. Now, we have to answer the Pasuk, Lo ken Do not do this to Hashem your God. What is that referring to? So there are two interpretations. Because before the Pasuk, it says... Destroy all of the, the idols and destroy all of the Abu Dazara. And then the Pasuk says, Do not do this to Hashem. And then it says, Do not serve God anywhere you want. Serve Him in a central location. So from here, the question is, Is the Pasuk going in the previous part? Or talking about the future? Is it talking about the next part? Meaning, is the Pasuk saying, Do not destroy the name of Hashem your God like you're destroying the Abu Dazara's? Or is it saying, Do not serve God in multiple places, serve Him in only one place? And the answer, let's look in Rashi, let's see what he says. Lo ta'asun ken. This is what Rashi says. Laktir l'shamayim b'chol makom kim b'makom asher yivchar. The Peshat is, do not serve him in any place, rather in the place that he chooses. So the Peshat is, this is referring on the coming piece, which is, do not serve God in multiple places. However, but he's also saying that the synagogues and also Wait, the, so but the but the halacha, there's a second lesson that we learned from it, that is do not destroy Hashem's name. Meaning from here we see by the way all of the laws of Shemot. That you have uh, a, a sidur that's, that's getting worn out, you have to put it, you have to bury it. Yes. Right? Where do we learn that from? We learn it from 
Do not do, do not destroy God's name. This is the source of the mitzvah of not getting rid of papers that have Hashem's name in it, right? So what we see from this pasuk is we have two mitzvot that we learn from this pasuk. One is that you have to serve God in a singular location, and one is that you can't destroy the name of God. And how do we learn it from both psukim? So if you're just learning, if you're just learning halacha, so you see, yeah, it's interesting. The same pasuk is being used for two halachot. Why is that? So whenever you learn the, whenever you learn in depth, you understand the progression of the text. You'll see that it's because there's some kind of there's a little bit vagueness over here, where the pasuk sits smack in the middle of two commandments, yes. and we don't know which one it's applying to. Yes. So the chachamim said it applies to both. Now, personally, I think the pshat is that it's referring to the coming piece, meaning the part, the, the, because it doesn't make sense. The Torah wouldn't even tell us, do not destroy Hashem's name. Of course, we're not going to destroy Hashem's name. I think the, the real focus is on the coming piece where it's saying, do not serve God under every tree and under every mountain and the way, those, uh, the way they were doing it when they would serve God in so many multiple places. Um, yeah, so that's the idea here. Uh, but it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting source for the idea of not destroying things that have the name of Hashem. We continue Bezer Hashem tomorrow. Yeah, continue Bezer Hashem tomorrow. Yeah, the the piece uh, we'll continue with Shani because the piece pretty much yes. it's a li- little bit repetitive, and we'll we'll go to the second Aliyah tomorrow Bezer Hashem. Baruch Adonai Lolam. Amen. Amen.